Hello, Faith Community. We're continuing reading through the New Testament in a year. We're on 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. It says this, Now the Spirit explicitly says that in later times some will depart from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and the teachings of demons through the hypocrisy of liars whose consciences are seared. Paul tells Timothy, hard times are coming. People are going to depart from the faith. There's going to be deception. In chapter 3, he just now described the church as the, the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. The church is a pillar and the foundation of the truth. And when the church decides not to back down from truth, people will oppose it. Deceivers will come against it. This is what's going to happen as long as the church says truth is absolute. Truth is not relative. There's not something that's true for you and something different that's true for me. What's true for one is true for all. And the church stands on that and people oppose that. But we can recognize these liars because they're described as hypocrites. Through verse 2, it says, through the hypocrisy of liars whose consciences are seared. We can recognize these people because they have no conscience. They have no moral compass. They're able to sin and not even think twice about it. It's amazing when you look at the world that surrounds you and you see how wicked and evil people are, you might think, how can they do that? How can they just do that and then describe themselves as good, describe themselves as righteous? Well, it's because their consciences are seared. Now, how do we recognize them? We recognize them through their hypocrisy. They say one thing, they do something else. Whenever you see somebody saying one thing and doing something else, you know they're giving way to deceitful spirits. They're listening to the teaching of demons. I want you to understand this. The reason that's so important is because our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the principalities and powers of the air. It's so important to realize this because you're looking at humans who are hypocrites. You're looking at humans who are telling lies, who are saying one thing and living a different way. But your battle is not against them. Your battle is a spiritual battle. How do you arm yourself for that battle? By prayer. Understand the way that we wage war against lies is through prayer to the spirit of truth. This is how we're going to live in opposition to these people. So first we recognize them because of their hypocrisy. The second way that we recognize them is through their legalism. Paul goes on, he says, they forbid marriage and, and demand abstinence from foods that God created to be received with gratitude by those who believe and know the truth for everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving since it's sanctified by the word of God and by prayer. Paul says these people are wanting you to not enjoy the good things that God has given. They're wanting you to not enjoy creation. They're trying to deny the goodness of creation to believers. These people are giving way to the deceit of demons. They're listening to the deceiver, and that's why they're trying to deny the providence of God in the earth that he has created for us to enjoy with good food and with good marriages. These are things that God gives us. What should Timothy do about it? Listen to verse 6. If you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, nourished by the words of the faith, and the good teaching that you have followed. He says, point these things out. 
As you point these things out, you're going to be a good servant of Christ, but you need to be nourished by the words of faith. He says in verse 7, But have nothing to do with pointless and silly myths. Rather, train yourselves in godliness. I want you to think about this. He's saying we need to point these things out. We need to expose them, but we also need to have nothing to do with them. In order to expose a lie, you don't need to participate in it. In order to reveal what's wrong with culture, you don't need to be fully ingrained in it. It's so important to, to walk that line, to be all things to all men, but not to participate in their sin, not to give in to their hypocrisy, not to run along with them, because why? Their feet are swift to shed blood. The poison of asps is under their lips. And, and so we are exposing them and not participating with them. But instead of participating with them, what are we supposed to do? Train yourself for godliness. Have you ever trained for something? Have you ever taken time to train for something? Think about it. I've trained for marathons. I've trained for five caves. I've trained for triathlons. And what that means is, is I write down that date for that race, and then I set myself goals. I want to get to that point, which means I need to work hard every single day. It, it adds a fervor to my daily exercise because I know that something's coming. Now, one of the things that really helps me in training is to sign up for something because when I wake up in the morning, I don't feel like doing it. I better get out there and train because the test is coming, because the race is coming. Are you training for godliness? Are you preparing for standing in front of God one day? He's going to talk to you. He's going to respond to the life you lived. Are you training so that when you stand before him, he's going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant? Or are you simply waking up each morning and saying, I'll train tomorrow. I'll prepare tomorrow. This is what we do if we don't set goals, if we don't keep our eyes on the prize. Train yourself for godliness. Well, how do we do that? Well, first, go back to verse 6. You need to be nourished by the words of the faith and the good teaching you have followed. Are you being nourished? You need to give your body the fuel it needs. The fuel you need as a believer is in God's word. Are you daily in God's word? You need it every single day. There's not a single day that goes by that you don't need God's word. Just like there's not a single day that goes by you don't need food, oxygen, water, sleep. You need God's word. You need to be nourished by God's word. And you need good teaching. Are you getting good teaching? Are you receiving good teaching? Now, you guys are listening to this devotional. That's awesome. That's great. But are you interacting with an actual live person? Because video cannot do what God has designed in teaching. Teaching happens in an organic relationship where we can look somebody in the face and interact with them. Are you getting that good teaching, that good in-person teaching with another human being? Now, we're, we're not just nourished by the words. We're not just constantly receiving all the good teaching and reading the word, but then we're putting it into practice. He says this in verse 10, For this reason we labor and strive, because we put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Are you laboring and striving? You're taking in the food, but then are you burning it as energy? Are you laboring and striving, looking forward to this hope? Looking forward to you forever home with God, who is a savior of all people. He says in verse 12, don't let anyone despise your youth, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Are you setting an example 
Every single one of us is called to do this, not just the youth. The youth, it's, they need a higher calling because they need to realize you too are going to be followed. Even if you're young, you're going to be followed. The obvious thing in Paul's culture is those who are older are going to be followed because it was an honored culture. And so they would follow those who are older. Everybody needs to live a life that's worthy of emulation. Are you setting an example that you can say to other people, imitate me as I imitate Christ? Every believer is called to that. Are you putting into practice what you're studying in God's word so that people can follow you towards Jesus? He says this, Until I come, give your attention to public reading, exhortation, and teaching. Are you giving attention to these three things? Think about that. Public reading. What does that mean? It means reading God's word out loud. Do you understand that God designed his word not just to be read quietly and meditated on? That's good, and that needs to be part of our diet. But right here, he's talking about public reading. This is out loud. If you're in a home with other individuals, are you reading the word of God out loud with those people that surround you? Whether it's your wife or your wife and your children or just your children or it's just your roommates. Whatever the situation is, are you reading God's word out loud? And look what he says. He says that you need to dedicate yourself to this. You need to give attention to public reading. Second thing, exhortation. We are designed by God to be a people who exhort each other. We are to consider one another how to stir each other up to love and good works. What that means is I have a responsibility to be moving towards my brothers and sisters and speaking them in a, in a way that will challenge them and encourage them to live for Jesus. It's so important to understand that exhortation is encouragement towards righteousness. What you're doing is not, wow, you're doing a terrible job. You need to live as a better believer. That's not exhortation. Exhortation is, come on, this is who you are. This is what you want to do. This is who we are in Christ Jesus. It's encouraging people towards righteousness as their true identity in Christ Jesus. That's how exhortation takes place. And lastly, teaching. Are you giving attention to teaching? Now, now, there's a couple things that that means. One is you need to pay attention when you're being taught. You, you need to not let yourself drift off. That means that you need to make sure that when you come to hear the word of God preached on a Sunday morning, you need to get a good, good night's rest on Saturday night. Sunday morning starts on Saturday night. You prepare yourself to, for that so you can give attention to it. But more than that, that the proclamation on Sunday is part of how God has designed the church, but he's also designed us to interact with other believers about what we're taught. We're not just to hear it once. We're supposed to interact about it. We're supposed to talk about what we were taught. That's how you give attention to it. You're supposed to get together with other believers and talk about what God's teaching you and listen to them. Hear what God is teaching them as well. It's so imperative for believers to be involved in small group ministries, in Bible studies, Sunday school classes, in other venues besides just the preaching of God's word on a Sunday where they're giving attention to teaching, where they're interacting with it in an environment where they can collaborate with other believers. This is who you are. This is how you're designed to thrive. This is what we're called to. Paul says this to Timothy. He says, don't neglect the gift that is in you. It was given to you through prophecy with the laying on of hands by the council of elders. Timothy has a very specific gift that he's given, and he's to exercise that gift. But here's the reality. All of us are given gifts. All of us have spiritual gifts, and we're to exercise those gifts for the church. You know, I realized um, when I was pretty young that, that I had a gift for teaching. I had a passion for 
preaching and I loved exhortation. And something that really convicted me is I was doing junior high ministry here at the church. I was doing junior high youth group. And what I would find is that I would spend hours every single day preparing my my lessons for my students in the public high school. And I would make sure that what I was doing for them was phenomenal so that they could be excellent in mathematics. And then when I would come to church, uh, that they would sort of get what was left over. They, they would get the energy that I have left. They, I wouldn't put as much time into those lessons. I wouldn't dedicate myself as much to those lessons as I was to my career, to my job. I was really convicted when I was in my 20s that that was wrong, that I was giving God my second best. We are called to give God our best. So if you're like me, if you're a teacher, give your best to the church. Give your best teaching to the church. If, if you're a if they're a teacher in a public school, that, that was super convicting for me when I realized I need to give my best teaching to the church, not to my employer. That's going to perish with using. I need to work heartily as to the Lord and not to men, but my best needs to be given to the church. Whatever it is that you have, I, I don't know what it is, but whatever your best is, make sure that you're using that talent, ability, gift that God has given you for the benefit of the church first, for the bride of Christ, for the glory of God. Use what he has for the church. He says that this verse 15, practice these things, be committed to them so that your progress may be evident to all. Pay close attention to your life and your teaching. Persevere in these things for in doing this, you will save both yourself and your hearers. In closing, I want to point out the four P's. Do you see the four P's here? What does he say first? Practice these things. How? Be committed to them. Dedicate yourself to these things. Make a practice of these things. Second, progress. Is your progress evident? Your progress, people who look at you should be able to see that person's growing. That person is maturing in their Christian life. Your progress should be evident to the people that surround you. Pay attention. This is the third P. Pay attention. Pay attention to your life and your teaching. Are you paying attention to what you're doing? Are you saying one thing and living another way? Are you thinking about how your life is something that other people are going to follow, other people are going to emulate? Is it worth their time? Pay attention to what you're doing. And last thing, persevere. Persevere in these things. Stay steadfast. Stay strong. Keep running hard for the gospel. You know, we're at war. We have a culture that hates the truth. And the way that we stand up for the truth is by reading God's word and putting it into practice in our life. It's one thing to recognize the hypocrisy, the lies, but it's quite another to do something about it. You want to do something about it? Pray to the spirit of truth. Spend time in God's word that is truth and live out the truth. We are the church, the pillar and foundation of the truth. Thank you for listening to me today. Mm -hmm.